0: Man, it's an honor to be here. Um, I, I was telling the church at the East Campus today that the first time I met your pastor, I said to myself, I'm going to be friends with this guy. And, uh, and I, I just liked him right off the bat. We had a lot in common. And then I get to meet his lovely wife, Pastor Leanne. And, and what, what great leaders you have here. You, you know, sometimes we come to the place and we get to hear the, the, the pastors all the time and we get familiar with them. Please don't ever get familiar with great leaders, people who are uh, visionaries, who love God, and because really, guys, the, the, we, we think there's a lot out there, but there's not. And, and everything rises and falls on leadership, right? Great leaders, great church. And so because you have great leaders, this is a great church. I, I love this. I, I could sit here all day. Uh, it, there's just the presence of God is here. And, and I just don't talk like that. I don't say that if it's not real. Cause I've been to some places, it just feels like a wet towel is thrown at you. And they say, "Well, go, go get them." And I'm like, "My goodness, what? Go get what?" But, but, but really, when when you can create this atmosphere where God can move, then 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 we should have ears to hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying. Because God's going to speak to us. I believe that. I believe He does. I believe that. Um, we, he gives words of knowledge, you know, Pastor Kenny's up here giving a word of knowledge and and the gifts of the Spirit are real, but you know, it's not who it comes through. We're not, we shouldn't be concerned with who God uses. We should just be uh, able to hear and recognize His voice when He talks. Because if you can do that, it'll change your life. I've had people who aren't even born again that when they were saying something, I said, oh man, God, you're speaking to me. We just think it's got to come through believers. If He can speak to a donkey, I mean, so I hear things sometimes and I'm like, God, you're, 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 trying, to get a, you're trying to talk to me. We're, our job and our response is to recognize his voice when he's speaking and then to yield to it because that'll change your life. We don't want to be hearers of the word only. The Bible says we're deceiving ourselves. We're foolish. We must purpose to be doers of the word. And, and, and I'll say this before I start my message that we serve a God of another chance. I used to hear this, he's the God of the second chance, and I, and I thought, man, I used that up my first moment of being saved. How many of y'all did, like, like I, I left church cussing. Come on. Anybody else know what I'm talking about? You went up, someone said, how was that? That was blankety-blank great. You, because that's the only way you knew to talk. And then you found out, man, I'm sinning right away. Can I give you one more thought for somebody in here? When you, when you, you know, the Bible says if we confess our sins, this is how good God is. When we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive our our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Here's how good God is. When you are willing to confess the sins you know, He'll forgive you of the ones you don't even know. That's what it means. He cleanses us. But when you're prideful and you won't repent when you know to repent, and repenting is not apologizing, God's never asked for an apology. He asked for repentance, which means a change of mind. Change the direction of your life. Change the course. Begin to do something that He wants you to do instead of what you've been doing. And when you do that, He'll cleanse you from all of the stuff. We don't even know what we've been forgiven for. But He resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. And if, you, if we would just humble ourselves, God will always get you the answers you need. Always. Always. Can I give you one more thought? I don't know why I'm getting these thoughts. God did not bring you here or you don't come to church for him to make you happy there's not one scripture in the Bible where God says Steve i make you happy I prayed that before I was praying in Roswell America where I pastored before I was in Albuquerque and I was praying and I said God this is no fun and this is the thought that came to my mind whoever said it would be fun but he said it would be worth it and you'll be fulfilled and if you're seeking God to be happy you're seeking in the wrong way because if you'll seek Him just to do His will, because our purpose in life, forever's in here that needs this, your purpose in life is to please Him. People say, why am I on the earth? To please Him. And when you please Him, He will lead and direct your path, and you will become exactly what He wants you to be. So quit looking for all this other stuff. Am I supposed to be this or that? Purpose to please Him first and He'll lead you to where you need to be. That, that's... I, what I'm trying to say is we even think, I, I'm talking about the goodness of God. He's a good God, but he demands obedience. We talk about the love of God and the peace of God and the mercy of God and the grace of God. What we don't talk enough about is the judgment of God. We'll all be judged. We'll all be judged. I'm afraid to go to hell. If I don't serve God for any other reason, God will say, he served me because that boy's afraid of hell. I am. I'm serious. And I'm not that smart, guys. I had to learn this Bible because people get up and they give these dissertations, and I'm like lost after the first word. Like, what are they saying? Just tell me how I can apply it. And so that's the way I learned the Bible. So as I talk today, that's the way I I, I talk. I I just talk how I learn it. And it's not going to be profound. It'll be simple. But, but I think there's some messages yeah. that God is wanting to speak to us. So believe God to speak to you. Because, again, it's not so important what I say that counts. We're just servants. You're servant. We're all servants. And I came here to serve your pastors. Not my agenda, their agenda. And I'm honored. I'm honored that God would use me to do anything. And shocked half the time. And the friends that I knew are shocked also, so it's not just me, it's like... And so God can use anybody if they're willing to be a servant and a purpose to please him. We make it hard. God said, man, if you please me, I'll put you where you need to be. I'll lead you and guide you. The gifts and talents will come out, and then you'll know. Because he gives us all of them. Well, I just messed up my whole mess, but here we go, okay? I don't know why I just had these thoughts, so i just give you applause, right? Romans chapter 4, verse 17, 21. I'm going to talk to you about something about uh, that I, I, I it's, it's a study probably I've, I've just, it's a journey of my life that I put on paper. And, and, and this is it, it's, it's to be, learn to be fully persuaded. To not be convinced, but be persuaded. Romans 4, 17, 21, this is the story of Abraham. And it's unique that God made sure the story of Abraham was put in the New Testament. And he said, As it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations, before him who he believed, even God, who quickeneth the dead and calleth those things which be not as though they were. Who against hope believed in hope. Then think about that statement. Who against hope believed in hope. There was no hope, but he still believed. That he might become the father of many nations, according to that which was spoken. So shall thy seed be. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead. When he was about 100 years old, neither the, yet the deadness of Sarah's womb, he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. Now, the word convinced, when we talk about I'm convinced, it deals with a person's mind. You might be convinced of something, while persuade, if you're persuaded, it focuses on a person's actions. You might be convinced that God is real, but until you're fully persuaded that he's real, you'll never act on his word. You won't do what he asked you to do. Now think about this, and I've thought about this. God took an Old Testament story, and he put it in the New Testament, and I had to ask myself why. It's not rocky, I'm not a rocket scientist, but why? And this is what I got. God gave us a more, the most hopeless situation that you could have. So if there was someone 100 next to you right now and his wife was 90 and he elbowed you and said, hey, dude, tonight is my night. You'd be thinking like, what are you talking about, old man? He said, no, tonight's my night. Tonight, I'm taking my baby home and we're, we're going to town. Here's my mind, this is how my mind worked. My mind work would say, dude, there's not enough blue pills in the world that can help you. You could, there's not. And then I picture Abraham telling Sarah, you know, I always think, like in a walker. Sarah, God said, tonight's the night, baby. And I could see Sarah saying, all the nights have ended long ago. There ain't nothing happening here. Think about it, it's the most impossible, hopeless situation. Some of you are 50 and you think it's hopeless. Come on. You, what I'm saying is he put something that looked so bleak in what he said about Abraham. He was not weak in his faith. He still believed even when all of us, really, if we were to be honest, would say it's hopeless. We would never say, I would never, I would never say, yeah, go, go for it. You, you go get a pregnant? Go ahead and have a baby. I, I would never, I'd say, dude, there's no way. She's been through menopause twice. She's she's ninety. I'm just messing with. It. I'm just I'm just talking. But this is the way my mind works. Like God, you put the most hopeless situation to tell me that when I'm fully persuaded, I'll believe regardless of what I see, what I feel, or anything else. But see, we we don't do that so often. We get so moved by our circumstances. You know, I've said this many times that I've often wondered when the statistics come out and they say, you know, 80% of Americans believe in God. I've always been bothered with that. Like 80% of people believe in God? And then I realized there's a difference between believing in God and believing God. So here's what it is. 80% of Americans maybe believe in a God. But we have to ask the question, what God do you believe in? Because if 80% of us believed in the only true God, this world would be a lot different. We would be different. We wouldn't have the poverty. We have. We, we, because when God reigns, everybody gets blessed. So they believe in a hey God, that's why I ask people now, well, I believe in God, what God do you believe in? And if you can't say, I believe in the God of the Bible, you believe in a fictional fairy tale God. That in Daniel 4, Belshazzar, that that was judged by God because he desecrated the the things of the temple. And we're now the temple of the Holy Ghost. So we got to start, we got a purpose to live better and live right. And so he saw the handwriting on the wall and was judged. And then they said to him, Daniel said to him, Belshazzar, you worship gods of wood, iron, and stone, and whatever, that see nothing hear nothing, and know nothing. There's only one God, and that's the God of the Bible, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He's the only one that sees and knows. Everything else is a fictional character, a fairy tale, a made up being. So people tell me, you gotta respect their God. No, what, I'm not respecting a fairy tale. I don't respect animation. I mean, I watched The Little Mermaid, but I don't believe she was ever real. And so when, when you talk like this, people get like all caught up, and, I, and I'm gonna say this too before I go on. The reason you get caught up and the reason sometimes, and I know your pastor's bold, as bold as can be, the reason sometimes it hits you like, uh, I can't believe he said that, is because there's a culture clash. When you, when you marry your spouse, here's what I learned about marrying my spouse. I've been married 34 years, I got three kids, eight grandkids, and my wife is no pushover. She's a tough woman. I used to say when I passed her in Roswell, when the tough gets going, send Cynthia. Because I wasn't gonna deal with it, but she didn't care. She, like, she didn't care if people liked her or not. It's like, I'll deal with that, go ahead, because I care if people like me. I wanna be like, I don't like rejection. And so we, we need to realize that, 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 I forget what I was saying, but anyway, I'll come back to me. Huh? Oh, yeah, so when you're married, yeah. I, I don't know how I forgot this. When you, when you marry somebody, you come from different cultures. My wife came from a, a single mom who was married five times. I came from a home where, where my parents stayed together, but my dad was, was, was an alcoholic. He was never mean. He worked. He, 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 I loved him, uh, and, and, and he, he, was a good, he was good to me. But he drank all the time. We were all the same way. And, and so I, I come from that kind of a home. But the way we handled things, you know, the older I get and the more I look back and I say, we were like stinking dysfunctional, yeah. right? And so you bring the two cultures together. That's why when you get married, you clash. It's this is the way I know. This is the way you know. This is the way I handle anger. This is the way you handle anger. Some people handle it by just saying nothing, you know, becoming a recluse and being an introvert and like shutting people out that way. Other people, they want to talk. And so your culture is, we never talk, we just hit it under the rug. And this woman, or the husband comes from a place, we talked it out. And you're like, I'm not talking anything out. Yes, we need to talk. And you're like, you're killing me, Smalls. I don't want to talk. So these cultures clash. And so when you come to Christ, and you hear the truth, it will clash with your culture. Of what you thought was right, and what you believed. and now Jesus is trying to get to you and saying, no, this is what you need to believe now. So you have to decide and I have to decide whose culture are we going to buy into? God's culture or hold on to mine? And so we're so caught up with feelings like, well, this is the way this made me feel. And I'm like, so? Because your feelings will lie to you. Can I, I got These are like words and all, right? So here it is. If you walk around offended all the time and you say you love God, Psalms 119, 165 is your scripture. If those who love my law or my word, the Bible says nothing shall offend them. So if you really love the word of God, not by word, but by deed. You know, Jesus never said one time in the Bible, tell me you love me. Not one time. You know what he said to the people? He said, if you love me, you do what I say. He never said, tell me you love me, tell me you love me, just tell me you love me, just tell me you love me. me me." He said, if you love me, keep my commandments. How we love Christ is by doing what he asks. I ask people sometimes, how do you know you love God? I just know. I feel it. I'm like, yeah, but that's not biblical. Because I get mad. Sometimes I get mad. Anybody get mad in here? Wow. We're going to pray for anger issues when I get done. I'm like, wow, that's great. But, but think about it. When you're angry or mad or sad or hurt, you don't, I don't feel like I love God. I don't wake up every morning and say, man, God, I feel like I love you. Yeah, yeah. He knows I love him because I purpose to do what he says. Yes. Right. And so we get moved by our feelings and your feelings are deceptive. And if you're easily offended, that's not God because those are key words in this culture that's ungodly. Oh, I'm so offended, oh, that's so offended. I watch TV and talk to it. Like, who cares? And you say, well, so you don't care? Listen, what it's done to the scriptures, which I thank God for your pastors that don't water down the Bible, and I love that, that's why I, that's one reason I love it. i like, man, this dude just says it, right? And his wife says it, they just say it. And people say, well, don't you think that's offensive? Well, if I, listen, Jesus is the rock of offense. And what's offensive is if you water it down and people go to hell, then that's offensive. But at least with the truth, and I don't even know who I'm talking to, but at least with the truth, you have a choice to make. And you can make an informed choice. Either you believe it or you don't. And it's up to you. Because God don't ever force you. And so we have to choose. Are you fully persuaded? So Here's the question, do you believe God for the impossible in spite of impossible circumstances? No matter what you're facing today and you think it's impossible. I've had situations in my life, because one of my life scriptures is Romans 8, 28. Now you know, you know, we know that all things work together for good to those who love God and called according to his purposes. What is our purpose? To please God. And so I know, so I look in circumstance, and I've said to God, God, I know this is gonna work out for my good, but can I tell you something? I don't know how you're gonna do it. Because I play it in my mind, I work out every scenario, and I said, this can't work out. My daughter came to me and said, she's gonna marry a guy my age. And he's four months younger than me. Now, I was a pastor, but I was a dad. So I picked up the phone one day and called him. This is a true story. And I said to him, I said, is this Eric Ball? He said, yes, sir. He said, who is this? I said, this is Steve's mom. He said, before you say anything, I wanna tell you you did a good job raising your daughter. This is my next words. I must, and I was yelling, I must not have if she's dating a punk like you. That was my beginning relationship. <laughs> so I'm, I'm, sitting, I'm sitting in our bathroom on the counter. My wife comes in and says, who are you screaming at? I said, this punk because I said, you better leave my daughter alone, chump. And I said, I don't even know how big you are. My daughter was bringing him to meet me at Thanksgiving. Now, I'm a preacher, I'm a pastor, and she's bringing him to meet me at Thanksgiving. And I said, I don't know how big you are, but I had a bat in my hand. And if I couldn't whoop you, I was gonna beat you with a bat. This guy gets off the phone and tells my daughter, your dad is crazy. But I was hurt, I was scared. And now, they, they got married, so long story, they got married, it worked, and then I realized, Man, God, you knew better than me because I said to God, there's no way you can make this work out for my good. Can I tell you something? He's been the best for my daughter because if he was a young man, he would have left her. I'm serious. But because he was older and had nothing to prove, he was chilled, he was mellow, he just loved her. Because we tell him all the time, dude, she owns you, man. You're a pushover. Even his son tells him that. I says, man, it doesn't matter, Papa. He'll do whatever Mama says. But she needed a man like that. Can I say something? I don't know what circumstance you're in. God always knows best. And if you believe him, and you trust him, and you keep walking with him, he will lead you right where you need to be. But I said, that's impossible. You can't make it work out good. And can I tell you something? I love the guy. I've got two great grandkids. He lets me do whatever I want. God is that good. If you'll believe him, no matter what you're facing, you can't, you can't be in and out. See, the Israelites who fell in the wilderness believed in God, because there's a difference between believing in God and believing God. So then the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, how long must I put up with this? wicked community and its complaints about me. Yes, I've heard the complaints that Israel are making against me. Now tell them this, as surely as I live, declares the Lord, I will do to you the very things I heard you say. You will all drop dead in the wilderness because you complained against me. Every one of you who is 20 years old or older and was included in the registration will die. Numbers fourteen eleven says, and the Lord said to Moses, how long will these people treat me with contempt? Will they never believe me? even after all the miraculous signs I have done among you. Think about it. He parted the Red Sea, as your worship guy was talking about. He let them them see their enemies destroyed so they wouldn't have to be afraid anymore. He covered them with a cloud by day, a pillar of fire by night. They got hungry. They said, we need food. He gave them manna. Manna means what is it? I say this all the time. It's probably a Snickers because you're going to be here a while. Right? They were going to be there a while. come on. It was, it was old, but it's okay. And then they whined and said, we need meat. So he dropped birds on them. I mean, he just gave them stuff. And they still didn't believe him. Think about it. So if you think, oh, all I got to do is see this miracle, you're lying to yourself. You're deceptive. This is the power of God to change your life. It's quick and alive and powerful. And if you keep believing it and keep believing it and quit taking detours, You know what the fastest way to grow is? Just never take a detour. How many of y'all like detours? I hate them. It's like, oh my goodness. It's going to take me 20 more minutes. And So when I see detour signs, I just can't stand it. But too many of us take detours. That's why we don't grow the way we want to grow or don't understand the things we need to understand. (laughs) I'm having fun. You may not be. But anyway... (laughs) See, we can't just believe in God. We must learn to believe God. Believing in God is simply this, acknowledging his existence. That's simple. That's what most of America does. Most of the world, I believe in God. So what? A big deal. You believe he's real? Okay. See, believing God is taking him at his word. It's reading his word and acting on it. It's trusting God when everything is falling apart. It's how we can move on from the past. Some of us can't move on from the past because we don't believe God. Our past dictates our whole life. Listen, I've, I've been there. You might have been hurt as a child. You might have been misused. You might have been abused. I get it, and it's wrong, and it's no good. But if you live there your whole life, you can never go. You can't walk forward by looking backward. If I walk like, you know, if I'm, if I'm looking and walking this way, sooner or later, I'm going to hurt myself. That's why you keep hurting yourself. We have to let this stuff go. And if you believe God, you can know. Quit using those as excuses because they don't work with God. Nowhere, you know, here's what Christians say. Well, God understands. And it's always a, 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 a verbiage. It's always words to tell people why you're not doing what God's word says. I've never heard anybody say to me, God understands why I give 50% of my income instead of 10. God understands why I give 30 hours of my life to the church instead of, you know, a couple on Sunday or whenever you're at church. It's always used to talk about why I'm not doing what God's word says. And we act like it's in the Bible. Well, he understands my plight. No, he doesn't. He understands his word. And if you believe his word, no matter how impossible your plight is, he has an answer. But you got to keep walking. You got to keep doing the excuse has got to go. Yeah. I sound like my wife always tells me, my, I went through puberty, but my, my voice never quite finished. <laughs> I said, yeah, because you're a big encourager, honey. That's what that means. <laughs> See, even demons believe in God. James 2, 19 and 20, you say you have faith, for you believe that there is one God good for you. In other words, big deal. Yeah. So what? Even the demons believe this and they tremble in terror. How foolish. Can't you see that faith without good deeds is useless? Faith with no action, faith that doesn't do anything is useless. It's not enough to say I believe in God. We have to start saying I believe God enough to do what his word wants me to do. That's what'll change your life. That's what changed my life. I was never nominated to do this. I was never. When I got out of Bible school, I went to work at UPS. And all my friends got jobs in churches. Nobody wanted me. I had no opportunities. UPS, what can Brown do for you? I was that guy. I was a package car driver for 10 and a half years, and I used to tell God, God, when we get to heaven, if I can remember this, we're going to have a talk because I hated it. But you know what he did for me in two and a half years? He was talking about the wilderness. It was my wilderness experience. You're either going to grow up or you're going to stay there forever. You're either going to decide to trust me and watch your mouth because, folks, let me tell you something. If you want God to judge things, complaining. That's one of the things that he judged the hardest. Go back and read all the children of Israel. When they complained, that's when he got mad. So that's enough. Because we accuse God of being the devil. Oh, you're against me. God, you, if you loved me, you would have did this for me. God, if you, know, if you, just, if you cared a little, that would have never happened to me. I don't know why things happen to us in life. But here's what I know. If we believe God, He can heal any hurt. Didn't Jesus come to heal the brokenhearted? And can I say this? Every one of us in here has a little brokenness. If you live life at all, I don't know anybody that's lived life unscathed. And I meet the guys that have the most and have the least and everybody in between. And they're broken sometimes. And all they want to do is get better. And the way we get better is by continuing to believe the Word of God. You never change, you never transition. It's always, always, I believe it, I believe it. Believing in God won't make you any better. It won't make you any different. It won't do anything for you. It's believing God. Being fully persuaded that you'll you'll begin to do this, that'll change your life forever. Matthew 7, I say this a lot, verses 21 and 22 are some of the most concerning scriptures in the Bible to me. And here's why. He said, in that day, people are going to walk up to me and say, Lord, Lord. We did this in your name. We did that in your name. We did this in your name. And and Jesus said, you know what I'm going to say to you? I have no idea who you are. Depart from me, you that work iniquity or in lawlessness, wickedness. He said, I'm going to cast you out of darkness. So people that don't believe there's a hell, you're being deceived. Amen. I like it. Come on. So, so think about it. So, so what's he saying? He said, you did everything you wanted to do to make you feel good, but you wouldn't do the simple things I asked you to do. You know, be part of a church. you got to be part of a church. you got to be part of a local church. This is a great church. Pastors who love God, great leaders, visionaries. I, I'm fascinated by how this all works. Great people. And then you have some great staff and servants. I met a lot of people today, and I liked everybody. I don't know if they like me, but I like them. I'm like, they're so nice people. I like people. I like to talk to people. I like to visit. I like, I just like people. And it's amazing when I meet pastors that don't like people. I'm like, dude, you got to smell like the sheep. And sometimes you got to get in there and get a little dirty. I mean, it's like we're, we're in this together. But it's the most concerning because they knew him as Lord, but he didn't know them as a child, a son or a daughter. They'll walk up and say, we did great things. And he says, oh my goodness, you missed the whole boat. Did you serve? Did you tithe? Did you help anybody else? Did you do just the simple things that I asked you to do? Did you forgive when I asked you to forgive? Can I say this? Forgiveness is not a feeling either. Forgiveness is so misunderstood because we always attach it to feelings. People used to tell me, man, you got to forgive and forget, Steve. And I'm like, one day I was reading the Bible and I realized I'm not God. Everybody say, I'm not God. The only one I know that can forgive and forget is God. I do not have the capacity to forget unless I just forget because I'm getting older. Like, I just can't remember that. It's not I intentionally forgot it. So, so when people say, you got to forgive, and then they say this, well, when you forgive them, you got to be friends with them. Who says that? It's not Bible. That's man-made stuff to hinder us. I would say, like, it's doctrines of demons to hinder you from walking in the fullness of God. Well, I, I, I want to forgive him, but I don't feel like I forgive him. Who cares? You forgive them by faith because we're forgiven by faith. And so you forgive them and you let them, get them out of your life. I don't have to like them. Listen, if my accountant stole money from me, I would forgive him, but he would never handle my money again. Now, I know somebody in here is thinking, well, then that's not real forgiveness, brother. No, there's a difference between forgiveness and restoration. Let me give you another one for somebody in here. The Bible says there's 10 commandments. The fifth one is to honor your mother and father, which is the first commandment of promise that be well with you and you'll live long in the earth. Can I tell you, I pray that every day. Now here's what's the kicker. You say, well, my parents were awful. Here's the kicker. He never said you loved them. He said to honor them. Yes. See, we replace words. Wow. So how do I honor parents that were so abusive to me that hurt me and molested me, Whatever. You honor them by praying for them and believing God that even they can be redeemed. Doesn't mean you have to get around them. Doesn't mean you have to be near them. It Doesn't mean that. God knew that there would be bad parents. Now, if He said love them, that's a different thing. He said honor them. Everybody know the Ten Commandments? Can you quote them? Can I give you a little something to teach you how to do them? You ready? Hold up one finger. You got to participate though. If you're not participating, I'm not going to do it. No. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Hold up one finger. There's only one God. Not two, one. Two, make no graven images. Only one God. Not two, just one God. Three is your words. Looks like a W. Do not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Four, your thumb is resting. Keep the Sabbath for it is holy. Five, hold it like you're doing this, like you're taking a bow. Honor your mother and father, which is the first commandment promise. You to be well with you and live long on the earth. Six, one hand, if you're left-handed, it'll look like this, like a gun. Thou shalt not murder. This one you're going to really remember. Number seven, (laughs) hold your palm like this. Take two fingers and roll them like this. Do not commit adultery. Don't be messing up someone else's (laughs) bed. I told you you're going to remember it. I got to say it, though. Don't mess up someone else's bed just after you messed up your own. Come on. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Take two hands, do like this. Thou shalt not steal, because if you steal, you go to jail, you look at the bars. That's pretty funny, isn't it? Take your hands, hold nine. Thumb is hiding, thou shalt not steal. Ten, take your hands, cover your eyes. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife, thy neighbor's donkey, thy neighbor's stuff. You don't want what anybody else has. You only want what God has for you. And we live in a world that's covetous. There's the Ten Commandments, so there you go. Oh, i got to hurry up now. I'm almost done. We must believe in more than God's existence. We must believe God's promises. That was pretty cool, though, the Ten Commandments, right? You guys will, be all, you guys will go home and say, I don't remember any of them, but don't commit adultery. Don't do that. Real quick, the children of Israel, they believed God existed. They knew who he was and what he, was, what he could do, what He's capable of. They just didn't believe him. In other words, they didn't trust and rely on his word, and I love this one. They didn't believe in his ability to care for them and take care of them. That's why they end up wandering in the wilderness and dying. See, we tithe by faith. It's about the law. People think it's about the law, but it's not. We forgive by faith, so you gotta learn to do that and keep watching. So pastor, what happens when, when, I, when I forgive and then it keeps, when I see them or I keep coming to my mind, look what they did. You say, oh no, 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 no. I purpose to forgive them. I chose to forgive them. I am not gonna meditate on them. They are not going to take my thoughts. They're not going to hold me captive. I'm going to release them from my life. Because here's what's sad when people say, well, they don't deserve my forgiveness. Folks, listen, if you don't forgive, then God's word says he can't forgive you. So all your transgressions will be piled up on you. So if I do it for nothing but selfish motives, I just want to be forgiven. When I repent, I want God to forgive me, so I'll forgive you. I purpose to never be offended. I purpose this a long time ago. I've told people, get a number, stand in line, and try to offend me. I refuse to let you offend me. Why? Because I love the word of God too much. I am not going to waste my time on worrying about you in my life. And, and, and listen, I, I, I'm not that smart. I'm telling you guys, if you ask my wife, she, this is what she says to me, she said, you're so stupid. You think I'm kidding? And I, I go, I know. She doesn't say it mean, but she means it, I think. And here's what we got to learn. Faith will only come by hearing and hearing the word of God yes. and believing it. We don't believe until we do, until we act. That's why this scripture is so important as I close. And it is impossible, Hebrews 11:6 to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him, listen to this, must believe that God exists. So that's the first thing you can believe in exists, exists. That's believing in God. And that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. Now that's believing God. Quickly. Jeremiah 32, 27 says, I am the Lord, the God of all the peoples of the world. Is anything too hard for me? No. And when you believe God, you learn to wait. Listen, Jesus waited until Lazarus was dead before he raised him. Job had to wait for God to heal and deliver him. Abraham waited 25 years for the promise of God. Some of us can't wait a day. We can't wait a week. I always say we got McDonald's faith that we drive through the line, and when they say, would you please pull over? We're like, no, no. I mean, I scream like, no, it's like torture. Do not ask me to pull over to the curb. I hate it. I seriously say, what is the problem? Because I'll change my order. I don't wanna wait. But that's how a lot of us do. I'll change who I believe in because I don't wanna wait. This is what I love, Joseph. 13 years of trials and unforgiveness, unfairness. 13 years. Now I'm gonna tell you this that I close. Joseph's father was Jacob, was a prophet of God. God God spoke to him. And when he spoke to him, he he would talk to Jacob, right? So Joseph, his brothers do all the things, I don't have time to go into it, and and he gets put into slavery. He was only approximately three or four day journey from Joseph where where he was in slavery. And you've got to ask yourself this question. Why didn't God tell Jacob? Jacob never quit grieving the loss of his son. He thought he was dead. Never. He was broken. He was sorrowful. He, just, he was so broken that when, the, when the, 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 his brothers came, and you say, why they, couldn't he recognize Joseph? Because Joseph, when he left, was a teenager, and when they came to see him again, he was, he, was, he was 30-something years old. He was a grown man. And sure, he changed. And they thought he was dead. They didn't know what happened to him. But you got to ask him, why didn't God just tell him to comfort his heart? Because he would have did probably what any good dad would have did. He would have spent all of his money, went and tried to buy him out of slavery to try to fix him. And his family, Jacob's family, everyone in it, would have all died of starvation. Here's what I want you to hear as I close. God always knows best. Our job is just to keep believing Him no matter what we face. And trusting that whatever happens, it'll work out for my good and his glory. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for being here tonight. I thank you for visiting us. I thank you, Father, for thoughts that you gave so many people and so many of us that we could think your thoughts and and, and begin to act on them and, and change our minds, God, because that's repentance. Let's help us to just change our minds in this area, that area. Put a guard on our mouth, God, a muzzle if you would, that we would not be complainers any longer, that if that's our habit, Father, when we start to, you'll, you'll, you'll deal with us, you'll rebuke us, and we'll stop. We'll, we'll just say, no, I'm not gonna, I'm gonna break the habit of complaining because it gets me nowhere. It just makes me more miserable. And so, Father, help us to be more fully persuaded that, God, that you're real and that you're working on our behalf. Thank you for tuning in church. We hope this message reached your heart and was one in season for you. We're eager to hear how God is moving in your world. If you have a praise report or prayer request, send us an email at online at c3sandiego.com to share. Also to partner with us financially so we can reach people all over the world, go to c3give.com. We know you'll be blessed by your giving. Thanks again, church. And until next time, we'll see you soon.